Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Welcome back to the channel, and welcome to episode 463 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're going to talk a little bit about The Equalizer 3, especially its box office performance, and also, late addition to the title, I just updated it a few minutes before going live, I also forgot I had seen, since the last stream, finally have seen all of Twisted Metal, which is a show that was on Peacock, has gotten a lot of positive uh, praise, a lot of positive comments from many people in our community. So I have my own thoughts about the show, and I'm about four episodes into the Netflix series One Piece, which of course is an adaptation of a manga by the same name, and so I've got some initial thoughts on that as well. So all of that tonight that we'll be talking about, happy and blessed Tuesday and blessed feast of St. Lawrence Justinian as well, and we're going to have our typical movie talk, box office talk, discussion all the typical things that we talk about. If you have any comments or questions, please put at Odin, the very beginning comment, at Odin. Let me know they're trying to get my attention. Does, of course, mean a lot when you when you reach out in that way. Also, make sure that you smash the like button, a lot of the fire button, Aussie, and smash the rumble button as well. Share the link out as well. Let's see if we can get more and more people out here every single week. We got Abomination hanging out over on Odyssey. Abomination, thank you very much for always hanging out over there. Good sir. We got Orange Hour Views, who is the king mod. What is going on, Orange Chat? He is laying down the law. Indeed, put at Odin if you have any comments or questions at the beginning of your comment. Don't spam, or else he will indeed lay down his axe and my axe. And if you want to check your digital cookie count, just go ahead and follow those instructions. We got Bruce hanging out in the chat. What is going on, Bruce, with the very funny-looking <laughs> pink hands waving? Always gets me every time. Wayward Noodle, who is a member, what's going on, Wayward Noodle? Says, traveling for work, looking forward to catching this on the other end. Well, hey, Wayward Noodle, hopefully you are fine with, with your travels, with work. Safe travels. We got Keely Chow hanging out in the chat. What is going on, Keely? How are you, Baby Thor and Freya doing? Everyone doing okay. Everyone doing okay. Lance Mala, always coming at the very beginning of the stream. Don't don't typically hear him after the first comment. Usually it's about wrestling, but much much love to you, good sir. Thanks for being a member here on the channel, Lance. He says, Good evening, Odin. Any thoughts on the AEW All Out pay-per-view this past weekend and the latest happenings? Yeah, I did I did get to see the All Out pay-per-view. And I thought I thought for the most part it was pretty good. Um, I think that the best match by far was the strap match between Daniel Bryanson and Brian Danielson. Sorry. Brian Danielson. <laughs> <laughs> Just got both of his his WWE and his AEW names mixed up there, and uh, Ricky Starks. I thought that, in all honesty, was my favorite of all the matches, simply because the the hits that they were taking, you, you can't fake that. You look, you were looking at their bodies by the end of the match, and you're like, oh my goodness, these people have just been annihilating one another. Uh, and it was it was very very entertaining. I always appreciate when wrestlers are willing to put that much dedication into their matches. Uh, so, yeah. And as far as latest happenings, I'm assuming, Lance, that you were hinting at, and I see Kincaid Rumsky is leaving this comment over on Rumble, and Steven also just put this in the live chat as well. Goodness gracious, everyone's who's a wrestling fan wants to know. Yeah, so I have heard about the whole CM Punk thing. My general thought is this. CM Punk, we don't know what happened. We have no idea what happened behind the scenes. There's speculation. There's talk. You know, unless there's an actual, like, candid behind-the-scenes video showing what happened and showing who was at fault, 
you know, all that we're left with is to assume that that what we are being told is is the truth. But even without any of that, right? I don't know whether he's guilty of doing anything wrong or not. Um, again, the way that Tony Khan seemed to word it was that he put people in danger. I, again, who's to say? What I can say, though, is with him no longer being in AEW, the dude just doesn't have it anymore. And, and this is coming from someone who has been a longtime CM Punk fan, uh, especially because of him being very passionate about being straight edge, as someone who is you know, straight edge myself. Um, I've always appreciated for that. But also, he used to be a really great worker in the ring. He was great on the mic, and he was great in the ring. Now he's pretty good on the mic. He's not even really great at that anymore. He's pretty good, but he just doesn't have that same edge that he once had. And in the ring, he just doesn't have it. In the ring, every time I saw him wrestle, I was like, oh my goodness, you're just going to, you're either going to hurt yourself. <laughs> like, seriously, you're either going to hurt yourself or it's just like, why are you even doing this? Why did you even try that move? Um, there was actually a really cool video um, where it was Steven Richards. Steve Richards of uh, Right to Censor days, of the old school Right to Censor days. And Steve Richards was breaking down the spot that he had done. I think this was the match he had had with Samoa Joe and the spot that they did and basically how just how dangerous it was for both of them. And that just kind of, I, I was already, you know, very much picking up on the fact that he just was not, he doesn't have it anymore. So I'm not sad to see him gone. I'm sad that it had to happen this way. I would love to have seen him hang around to be, like a manager type role or maybe take a, maybe take some time off and, you know, actually get back into ring shape. And by that, I don't just mean being able to go the distance in the ring. I mean, actually looking good in the ring, but you know, it is what it is at this point. Miss Minnesota hockey fan. How about a hockey player? What is going on? That's our wrestle talk for, for the day. So hold off on the wrestle talk, please. But what's going on? Miss Minnesota hockey fan. Thank you again for being here. We got Fandiv, Fandiv, Fandiv H. Fendiv, I don't know exactly how to pronounce that over on Rumble. Glad to see you finally live. Thank you very much, fan. Appreciate that. I think I'll just call you Fand. Grump, 3PO in the chat. What's going on, Grump? Always great to have Grump in here. Great Wuda hanging out in the chat. What is going on, Great Wuda? Welcome back. Thanks for being a member here on the channel. We got GMonkey76 hanging out. We got JS Pena hanging out. What's going on, brother? Welcome back. We also got Rob D hanging out. What's going on, Rob? We got Keck44 hanging out in the chat as well. Forever Sci-Fi, who's a member, saying, Hail, what is going on? Thank you very much for being here. We got Steven hanging out. What is going on, Steven? Says, how was your weekend? Any scary movie you're looking forward to this Halloween season? I'm still bummed about how bad Halloween ends and Halloween kills. Sucked so bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm, sa- I'm sad too, especially for hardcore Halloween fans. You know, as someone that's more of a casual fan of more of the old school Halloween films, it is, it's sad that the series had to kind of go off the rails as it did. But at the end of the day, we also, I think that we're in a position now where, especially when it comes to horror films, especially when it comes to October films, it's, I feel like it's so much more missing versus hits, right? It's, it's hit and miss still, but there are a lot more misses than there are hits, right? Every now and then you'll have a film like a, and I know that these are again, not universally loved, especially amongst horror aficionados, but I think about the movie Smile, and how well that film was able to do. I was able to watch that movie. It scared the heck out of me. Creeped the hell out of me. Because that's just not my genre. And I, it's because I don't like being scared. I don't like going out of my way to, to do that. So, you know, we have films like Smile. We have films even like Megan as well. Which I think did so much better than anyone expected it to. It, had, it was better than it had any right to be. Just based off of the, the concept as well. 
So as far as films I'm looking for, again, I don't like scary movies, so I don't really have anything that I'm looking out for, to be perfectly frank. Though I did finally see the trailer for the upcoming uh, Five Nights at Freddy's movie, and I did not know that some of the casting was there. So that's the only thing that's intriguing me a little bit is the casting, but even then, again, I just have no interest. Brandon Goolidge, what's going on, Brandon? Says, finally caught you on a live stream. What are your thoughts on the current writer strike? When it comes to theatrical releases for winter of 2023-2024. I mean, yeah, when it comes to these strikes, it is just going... To, it's it's basically just building up for... It's already a rough time with movies. The, the movies that we get today, especially from the major studios, the ones that have the most money behind them, just aren't good. They're, they're just not good. They are bloated. They are just awful in every single way. And it's really, really sad to see that, right? There's obviously some gems. There's some good films that come out every now and then. But when you have films like The Equalizer 3 and Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, you know, Mission Impossible 7, you have films like that where, yeah, they're great films. Yeah, they're really good. They're well-made and they're entertaining. But when the third film in a franchise or the seventh film in the franchise are some of the better films that you have in a given year over anything that's original, and of course absolutely better than anything coming from the DCEU or MCU or any of these other major universes. I feel like that kind of says a little bit about the state of cinema and about the state of Hollywood. So you add to that the strike and all that the strike is doing is guaranteeing that down the line, down the road, we're going to get a bunch of crap films and just crap content. And I keep going back to these as examples anytime the writer's strike is brought up, but you got to go back to films like Quantum of Solace. One of the reasons why that film was so bad was because of the fact it got impacted by the writer strike. One of the reasons why Heroes fell off a cliff after an amazing first season in Heroes, why it ended up falling off of a cliff in season two and beyond, it all started because of that season two. It all got started because, again, that show also impacted by the writer strike of that time. So we're going to see that happen again with modern Hollywood, with modern films and modern shows. The question is really, when is it going to hit, Right. It's looking, based on how far this is being impacted, we could see this end up hitting films that come out next year. But also, the other question is, how are we going to be able to really honestly tell between a film that is bad because of the writer's strike and a film that was already going to be bad? <laughs> you know, that, that to me, I think, is going to be the, the bigger question. Let's see. Kimberly G. What is going on, Kimberly G.? Thanks for being here. Says, howdy, everybody. Sorry I missed Saturday night. We had family in town. Family comes first. We're always very, very clear about that here on the channel. Family always comes first. So I appreciate you being here, Kimberly G. Welcome back. Alpha Zero Omega. What's going on? Strawman says, I'm not hanging out. Really? Then what are you what are you doing, brother? What are you what are you doing? Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington down to say said that One Piece was good in previous stream. Hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I finally started to watch it. I have no frame of reference on the show, uh, or rather on the on the manga. I, I had no idea what it was. All I knew that it was it was a manga and that, you know, what some of the characters look like. But I really didn't know anything else about it. So when I found out, and again, th this is my first interaction with the show, and I guess I can go ahead and and do kind of like my my mini initial thoughts about it because I've not finished watching the show yet. But with one, with one Piece, I had no idea that it was a swash, swashbuckling uh, show. I had no idea it was all about pirates, that it, it was about 
this really cool, you know, fictionalized world. And it's it's kind of amazing when you have a good show because it reminds you of all the bad shows. So watching this and seeing the world building that they were doing, my mind immediately went to The Witcher. Uh, the most recent season, actually, no, the entire season, the entire series of The Witcher, where I, I even mentioned this with my wife as well, and, and she tends to not be as, you know, she's not, she's definitely not as like sensitive to, you know, woke stuff in shows or, or in movies or the, the politics behind it all like that one. She doesn't care about that. And then it oftentimes doesn't even really bother her all that much. Um, any type of gender or race swapping typically, again, for her, she's like, nah, I don't care. And that's just her, right? We're, we're different people, right? In certain ways, opposites attract, you could say. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, because of the fact that this show, though, is able to build the world so effectively, and I'm only four episodes in, I know more about the world of One Piece already than I ever did when thinking back to the entire series of The Witcher, right? The entire Witcher series, you had all of these random places that would be thrown at you, and then every episode, because especially in that first season when they're doing it out of sync and out of order, just to, again, just just to be pretentious about it, it ends up just leaving you confused of, okay, I have no idea where you are. I have no frame of reference for what it is you're talking about right now. It, it's insane. But One Piece, One Piece has got it. And as I said, I'm, I'm coming from the perspective of not knowing the manga, not knowing the original series in, in that capacity. And so I have no frame of reference there. I don't know if this, I assume most mangas have been adapted into animes. So I don't know if this has been adapted into anime. I assume that it has, but for a live action adaptation after the crap that Netflix has done with some other shows, I mean, this is a breath of fresh air and I'm kind of holding my breath because we all know what Netflix has done with things like The Witcher and with other properties too. I didn't even, I did not even waste my time with their Cowboy Bebop live-action remake. And I think the same director or the same writer or the same showrunner is the same person that was behind that, or there's some connection, I think, between them. I didn't even waste my time with that because I'm like, look, I, I really enjoy the animated series. I really enjoy the Cowboy Bebop series. I have no desire to see that live-action. I don't want to see it. So I'm, I'm glad that I kind of went into this one not having that knowledge because I'm actually able to look at One Piece as a show and not just as an adaptation of other material. And I have to say, as a show, it's working very well. I really like the characters. I really like the actors as well. Uh, th this guy, Inyaki uh, Yasuo, who, who plays the, the lead character in, in the show as Monkey, as Monkey La Luffy. Was it, how do you pronounce his name? Is it uh, Luffy? I think it's Luffy. Yeah, because at first I thought they were saying Loopy. So, yeah, Loopy. Uh, I think he's great. He's just, he's that wide-eyed, just very optimistic. He has such a bright view of what it means to be a pirate. He, he knows what his goals are, and he firmly believes in himself. And it's very rare that we get a lot of characters like that. And then he's very well balanced, but the rest of the people on his crew, and, you know, you got the really awesome, you know, samurai sword dude, and... Uh, and also you have, uh, again, a, a female co-lead or rather a supporting actress in the show where, yeah, she's awesome. And yeah, she does a great job, but she's also not perfect. And she doesn't feel like, you know, feel like a girl boss. It's again, it's something that's very refreshing to see in, in a show. Very, very refreshing to see. So 
And I think that this is the actor that plays uh, the character in, in the show, Makenyu Maeda. Maeda, I think is what it is. But yeah, so far, really, really enjoying it. As I said, I'm only four episodes in. I do think it's hilarious, though, because I, I saw the article that was put out by IGN, which had the had the rating, the early rating and the early review. And they were do- they were docking points from this because it was being, quote, too faithful to the source material. Now, look, I definitely think there are times when the source material, and this might be controversial, but there are times when the source material does not need to be followed verbatim. But what I mean by that is, let's say that there is something fantastical that happens in your universe and you don't have the budget to be able to pull that off in in the way that you would expect it to. I'm fine with changes happening. It can't change the essence of the story, though. And that's the biggest problem that I think when it comes to these adaptations is that they do take liberties. They do change things. Maybe it's for good reason, but usually it's not. Usually it's because they, they decide that they don't want to support certain things and certain aspects of the original source material. They decide they want to use it as a vehicle for their own ideas, for their own ideology. And that's something that no one wants to see. So I'm happy to see, at least based on what I've heard from people that do know this source material, it doesn't seem like this is doing that if, if, you know, much, if at all, you know, if, if any, and I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm really liking it so far. So it's actually a show I'm looking forward to. It's very rare that you have modern TV shows where I'm actually looking forward to watching the next episode. Where when I got home from work, I was like, you know what? Typically, I'm listening to news. I'm catching up on you know, maybe some news, politics, uh, movie, th- you know, general general news information. It's kind of like my detox for the day. And instead of today, I was like, yeah, you know what? I want to keep watching One Piece. I really want to keep watching One Piece. And so it's, it's good to have that show. And in addition to that, another good show. So this is a show that I've actually finished the first season. And uh, there's only been the one. And that's Twisted Metal. So Twisted Metal is on Peacock in this case. This is, also, this is in this case based off a video game. Again, this is something I don't have any knowledge of the source material other than I recognized uh, the character of Sweet Tooth. I've, I've seen that character before. Again, not being a, a big gamer. It's something that I just, again, don't have a lot of experience with. But I did recognize at least that character. And even though it absolutely earns its mature rating, um, there's some things in there that I just don't think are necessary. You all know me. I I don't like when you have gratuitousness, uh, when you really don't need to have it, right? You can can showcase that two people are in a relationship without showing certain things, right? I think this is definitely a more tempered, you know, basically if if Oppenheimer, (laughs) if the gratuitousness of Oppenheimer is on one end, and again, I know it's not in much of the movie in Oppenheimer, but still the, the scenes that it is. And you're like, come on, man. Um, luckily this isn't that it, it doesn't go that far as far as his gratuitousness, but again, it's, it's, it's still there to a certain extent, but what's again, great about twisted metal, just like it is for one piece. And just like it is lacking for the other shows that I've mentioned, the world building's really, really good. I know exactly where they are. I know exactly where they're going. I know what's happened in this world. Not everything, but I know enough to be able to, to work out, how things are going. I love how they use, you know, these these crayon colored maps, but yet they also are somehow incredibly detailed also. And it is something that I'm thoroughly enjoying. Uh, and thoroughly enjoyed, I should say, because it's really interesting. You know, character of John Doe uh, is this milkman. He runs missions between different cities, different settlements. He doesn't ever get to go inside because when the world ended, essentially, all of the criminals and and bad people were just kicked out, were just left out in the cold and had to fend for themselves. But along the way, some of them had to become 
runners of of medicine and food and other things like it. And I thought that it was very well cast. I thought Anthony Mackie did a great job with the role. Uh, Stephanie Beatrice, uh, I think, also did a did a pretty good. I, she was one where I didn't know how I was going to feel about her when she first showed up in the show, but as the show went on, I thought that she did a very good job in a you know supporting role there. Also, one of my favorite things about it is the fact that Samoa Joe, so for any wrestling fans, Samoa Joe is in the show. So he plays the body of Sweet Tooth, and I knew that the voice was Will Arnett because... As soon as you hear him, you're like, okay, yeah, that's Will Arnett doing a voice, and and just Will Arnett's great, you know. When when he when he loves his when he, when he loves the material and he's putting his heart and soul into the material, which is most times, it ends up being a very good performance. And in this case, it absolutely is one. But it's also really awesome to see him, uh, to see Samoa Joe in this because I was like, wait, I'm really liking the character of Sweet Tooth, right? He is just psychotic. When you find out his backstory too. It almost gave me, and I know that this is more of a modern film, but it almost gave me, uh, oh, the recent, uh, was it the, the the recent Jordan Peele film? Um, oh shoot, Nope, the film Nope. So in that movie, in the film Nope, there is this whole subplot about one of the characters working on this like kids television show, basically, and this terrible grotesque thing that happens. So they have something like that. Going into Sweet Tooth's origins, and oh my goodness, terrifying, creepy, and yet so effectively done. Maybe very sad because of what happens, and I won't go into the details with it, but um, I thought that it made it very effective to show, oh yeah, Sweet Tooth, he might seem pretty funny as a person. However, his backstory is quite uh, quite disturbing. <laughs> quite, quite disturbing. But I thought that Samoa Joe did a phenomenal job doing all of, like, you know, there's a lot of cases you're looking at him through a mask, and so you see his eyes just doing a lot of a lot of character work. And I've seen Samoa Joe's work, and I know that he is a very effective, a very effective performer on the mic and in the ring. And so I do think that this is a great casting for him. I almost want to hear what this sounded like if he was doing the voice, because yeah, it's funnier to have Will Arnett, and there's a great back and forth because it's Joe's body, but it's Will Arnett's voice, and so there's that almost separation to a certain extent, but I've all, I almost kind of would want, would want to have heard, heard, I would have wanted to have heard uh, Samoa Joe doing the voice for it. I don't know. I feel like it could have been a fun alternative. But anyway, those are my thoughts on Twisted Metal and One Piece. If you've seen them, let me know what y'all's thoughts are. But I thought, I think they're both great shows. Again, about halfway through One Piece and have seen all of the episodes of Twisted Metal. Definitely want to give a... Uh, <laughs> Definitely want to give a, a warning though, because it is it is somewhat graphic in uh, Twisted Metal. Uh, sensei Mike, bow to your sensei, bow to your sensei. What's going on, Sensei Mike? Welcome back. I'm falling behind in the chat as I typically do. General Wingster says you're late. No, I'm not late. I I, I clicked the intro button as soon as it turned seven o'clock. Get 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 that nonsense out of here, General Wingster. Let's see. Golden Rage Pop over on Rumble says, Have you seen The Divine Fury? It's a 2019 South Korean movie about an MMA fighter atheist who develops stigmata and joins forces with a priest to perform exorcisms. I haven't seen it. No, I've not heard of it. It sounds amazing in that awful way <laughs> where it's, uh, this could be blasphemous, but it could also end up being a film that has that weird level of heart you wouldn't think would be there. Uh, but no, I have not even heard of that one. 
What I have heard of is is over on, on Odyssey, Abomination mentions, I'm excited for Bambi the Reckoning. Yeah, for those who don't know, this came up in, in the in the last Chosen of Valhalla chat, and it, there is apparently a film called Bambi the Reckoning, and it's going to be a, a live-action horror uh, remake or follow-up sequel to to Bambi. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's see. Kinkane Rumsky tagged to say over on Rumble says, instead of horror movies, I always look forward to the horror commercials. Let's hide over there by the chainsaws. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like the, the, I think I know what you're talking about. There was a commercial done by maybe Geico where it was playing in a theater and they had it as a, as a mock horror film. And it was them making all of this, the worst decisions possible. But if you mean like a legit horror film, no, I hate those commercials too because they try to make it scary. They try to get you with jump scares. The The trailer for The Nun too does that. The trailer for the upcoming Exorcist film does that. And I hate both of those trailers. They freak me the heck out. I have to look away from the screen for The Nun. I have to look away from the screen uh, for, for The Exorcist one. And I can't believe that I even watched either trailer <laughs> looking at it as it was going on uh, the first time. But man, oh man, creep me the heck out. No, thank you. Not my thing. Uh, see, Keely Chow over on YouTube. Time to say, I can't wait for Dead Reckoning Part 2. Same here. Uh, you know, sad. I, I think it's got delayed, if I'm not mistaken. If it hasn't gotten delayed yet, then it will. General Wingster, I didn't think you were streaming tonight. What do you mean? It's Tuesday. On a Tuesday. Why would I not be streaming on a Tuesday? I always let y'all know when I'm not streaming. Uh, it is coming soon, though. Uh, for those that haven't been around in a while, I think it'll be next Tuesday. The w- Next week will be the last regular week. Uh, I actually might be able to have another. Uh, my last stream will probably be on, if things go to plan, will be on the 19th. So in two weeks from two weeks from tonight, because that week of the 19th is when, if, if, uh, if Baby Girl hasn't come naturally, we... <laughs> We might have to induce. So, let's see. Miss Minosaka fan says, I got to go back to work tomorrow. Oh, man. Wait a minute. You had off work today? That's nice. No, I just had, I had off yesterday. And when you have the toddler, you, you really don't necessarily get, get the day off. You know, I'm happy he's a movie buff like I am. So, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, we're watching Star Wars. We're watching Up. Um, however, he finally has a series of movies that I can't stand that he has, he, he's, he's become a fan of. So un- unfortunately his, his run of great films has finally come to an end because he is a fan of the ice age movies. And I know that there might be some people that like them, but oh goodness, especially the first one. It's awful. The animation still like the animation looks gosh awful, especially the humans in it. And you can talk about how it's old and it's, you know, from a certain time, but there are other films from that time that I feel like look so much better than what that one does. Um, the only film in that entire franchise that I can stomach at all is, uh, is probably like the third, fourth or fifth one. I forget which one it is, but it's the one where Peter Dinklage, you know, even though he's a bit of a schmuck in real life, uh, he plays a like a pirate who sails an ice ship. It's not a good movie, but it's the only one that I can like stomach. <laughs> it's, it's just stupid enough. Let's see the Joker's voice. What's going on, brother? Welcome back. 
Hail. Glad to see the crossover from the Salt and Nerd podcast. Says, I heard there was a sexy bearded beast talking box office stuff. Always. Joker's voice. Always. We'll get into our box office talk in a second. Let's see. Steven, are you going to watch the whole season of Ahsoka and update us if it's worth it? So, yeah, here's the thing. I can already tell you it's not worth it. I don't need to see the rest of the show to tell you that it's not worth it. Um, unfortunately, Gary is is forcing us, forcing us to watch it so that we can talk about it. I think that's still the case. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I don't want to watch it. It is honestly one of the toughest. And I say this with all implicate like it's one of the toughest things I've had to do in my YouTube career. I'll put it that way. It's not easy to watch that show. Let's see. General Wingster, who is a member, says, I was never interested in One Piece. The art style turns me off. Plus, it's way too long at present. Yeah, I can see how, because I've heard of One Piece. I've had students before who have been fans and have talked about where they are in, you know, catching up with One Piece. And it seems like there is just a lot of content because I think it's still going. And so that that can seem very, you know, uh, intimidating, of course. And yeah, I, I've just really only known so much about it. I, I, again, I'm just not someone that is drawn to manga, is not someone who, who really ever has read that before. You know, my comics knowledge is already, you know, insanely limited. And we're talking here about like a few comics that I've ever read. And then graphic novels, I've only read a couple. And so mangas haven't even really been on the radar. Animes, on the other hand, right, growing up, and I know this is kind of a, a standard answer when it comes to animes, but growing up watching Dragon Ball Z, of course, I do love Studio Ghibli films and, and, and a plethora of other films, too, that are animes. But for One Piece, I do think that this show is actually pretty good. I, I honestly don't feel the need to have to go back into the source material because I feel like I'm getting I feel like I'm getting a lot. And again, I think that ultimately comes down to how they're seemingly going with the show. They're they're going with the the basic premises. They're not trying to change too much. So anyway. Let's see. Magnus Magnuson, what's going on? Great Wood says One Piece is an anime too. I assumed it was. Again, I feel like most mangas are animes do become animes joker's voice i say i really enjoyed the netflix wednesday but for every hit there's a cuties hit or miss yep and that's about as big of a miss as you can get joker's voice for sure um and i i am proud to say i've never ever watched cuties i just it's just it's one of those things where just thinking even about the show just makes you feel dirty because it just looks so disgusting like the whole concept and the whole the fact that that even ever got made and that they were able to do that is just is disgusting. Uh, Wednesday is a great show, though. And specifically, it's not because the show is good. It's because of Jenna Ortega. Jenna Ortega is what makes that show. Without her, the show is is really not worth it. But but she's great in it. Steven says, Your thoughts on Warner Brothers losing over $500 million due to writer's strike? Again, it's... I mean, that's every studio. Every studio is going to be having those kinds of losses. So, can't say I'm surprised. Let's see. General Wingster says, yeah, Braveheart is awesome. What? Steven, your thoughts on Disney canceling Ironheart? The last I had heard was that it's delayed indefinitely. Don't forget, the last time a show, I remember one of the shows that was, quote, delayed indefinitely was Echo. So there was talk even then about Echo being canceled. It's like canceling and being delayed indefinitely are actually two different things. 
So I don't know if there's been an update since then, but anyway. Over on Rumble, Golden uh, Golden Rage Pop says, there's a South Korean TV show called The Fiery Priest about a priest with anger issues, and he fights crime with a lot of martial arts action 2019 again. Dang. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that's something. Still really don't have a lot of interest in that necessarily because there is that that line of, you know, is it going to be blasphemy? Uh, let's see. Jeremy Zakowski, Tanya say, I don't know how they're going to continue with live action One Piece. It has 11 arcs and are very long. I mean, here's the thing, Zakowski. If, Zakowski, sorry. If, they're, if they are continuing and if they do continue to do the show as they are, yeah, I don't think they're going to get through all of it because just they don't have the time to do it. Because all of these actors are going to be aging. I mean, you can only do so much with makeup. But if this show, and right now it seems like it's doing well. It seems like it's a pretty big success. But if it's a big enough success, you know, I I personally would be like, why not just say, hey, we're going to film two seasons at a time. Right? We're, we're going to continue to follow the same model. We're not going to deviate from the source material. So it's not like we have to really come up with anything new which is what it kind of should be when you deal with adaptations. And maybe they would be able to at least get, you know, several arcs out. I don't know. It, that, that to me is more of an issue because, as you mentioned, right, there's just so much content. The chances of them being able to actually replicate that in a timely fashion just does not seem possible, <laughs> at least, like, with, with time. But I also do think that they can do probably a lot with it. So as long as they're smart with it, they could probably get several seasons out of that show. General Wingster, Odin must have really had a heart attack watching. <laughs> no, I refuse. Steven, Disney removed Disney channels and ASPN from Spectrum due to Disney asking a lot uh, on deal with Spectrum. Your thoughts? So Steven, I, from what I gather, it was that Spectrum. So here's the thing. So Disney has a product to sell. Spectrum is the buyer. Spectrum did not want to pay. And again, I'm not trying to defend Disney here. I'm just trying to lay it out as I understand it to be more accurate. So Spectrum then would be the one that would not want to pay the money. And so therefore, it is Spectrum's decision that they don't have Disney. So they can try. And I think I saw the image that was going around of Spectrum blaming Disney and saying, you know, Disney is the reason why, you know, it's been gone away. But from what I gather, it's Disney was charging a lot of money. And again, I think that's silly. But it was Spectrum saying, no, we're not going to spend that. And so Disney's like, okay, you're not going to buy our product. Then you don't, you don't get our product. So, yeah, I'm not going to take you know, Spectrum's side on this. Because also from what I've heard of Spectrum as both internet and TV provider is that it's not even a, that great of a company. <laughs> again, Disney's not great either. But it doesn't sound like there's a good side or a good good guy in that in that in that deal in that situation but yeah just try to say that disney removed those channels no spectrum decided not to spend the money to get those channels that that's how i understand it at least the way you make it sound is like oh we're just taking them away from you it's like that that's not how it works uh michael hill milk dope hmm hardwick the best explanations i've seen of the reason people enjoy horror and suspense is a story that John Goodman's character tells in the movie Matinee. Okay. I assume you're going to be telling me what that is in another comment, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, Kili Chow, what's going on? 
Uh, great Wuda. I love that. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, Great Wuda. <laughs> Steven, this is a live stream, not a press conference. Uh, honestly, sometimes I do feel like I'm in the hot seat when I look over at the the live the live chat, and, and it's like I see a couple of people where they'll they'll come in and they just come in hot with like question after question after question. And it's like, calm down, man. We got time. We got plenty of time, man. Come on. Let's see. Orange Eye Reviews. A member says, I agree on the gratuitous nudity nudity in adult sports. As an adult, they become less interesting, and I've been watching older movies that happen to go there. Now I think, what is the point? Yeah, exactly, right? You, you think about how older films handled it, and you realize, okay, yeah, there's no reason to go there. Like, seriously, what is the justification? Because most of the time, the justification is going to be, well, because it's going to sell more tickets, or it's going to get more eyeballs on the screen. It's like, okay, well, now <laughs> I got a bit of a problem with that. And then you have the, the rare occasion where I, I imagine that, by the way, excuse me, I imagine that Christopher Nolan would probably go this route saying, well, it was artistic, it was about being artistic, and it was the vision. It's like, no, dude, you, you just you just decided to be a real creep. <laughs> like that's The only way to describe what they did in Oppenheimer was, dude's a creep. I mean, I like a lot of Nolan films, but Oppenheimer and his decision, the way that it wasn't even just that he had the nudity and sexuality. It's how he presented it. It's like, bro, that's just creepy. And especially when you're telling a story about a historical character, which means that it's a movie that you probably will have parents wanting to take their kids to to say, let's learn about Oppenheimer. Let's learn about the atomic bomb or let's learn about this. And then you throw that in there and it's like, Look, language and violence, those are things that I feel parents are much more apt to have that conversation about. Not not what they did there. Not what they did there. So, and yeah, I think the older films absolutely show you don't need that. You don't need that. All right. Over on King Kane uh, King and Rumsky over on Rumble says, what about Baywatch? Did you watch that show? Thoughts, comments, concerns? No, I, I did not watch that show. And it's very clear what that show was made for. And again, if you don't have an issue with it, if you don't have a problem with it, I can't change your mind on that. All I can try to point out is when you have a show whose sole purpose essentially is to lead the brain, lead the mind, especially of younger men, to looking at women as objects, I have a problem with that. And that's not me trying to get on a, on a, on my high horse, you know, trying to white knife for anybody. It's just that it's the fact of our world that we live in today. That it's crap like that that leads to people looking at others in a way that is is not as another human being, made in the image and likeness of God. And again, not to get theological here, but it, it's still true. But yeah, those are my thoughts on that. That's all I have to say about that. Rob D over on YouTube. I can only imagine Bambi the Reckoning. Bambi is able to stand on two legs and fires a and fires a shotgun at deer hunters. Yeah. <laughs> from from what from what I gather, from what I gather, it is in pre-production. I don't think it's been filmed yet. I think that was what we figured out. By the way, it's 7:40 in the chat. Thank you all again for hanging out tonight. Smash that like button, please. Kinkane Rumsky says, I watched for the plot. Yeah, sure, Kinkane Rumsky. Sure you did. 
Hardwick says, the best Bambi sequel is still Bambi meets Godzilla. Ah, yes. I think I remember hearing about that. Miss Minnesota fan. My routes start tomorrow. A lot of schools, uh, a lot of schools start tomorrow. Yeah, that's true. That's true. A lot of schools, especially up north, I feel, um, start on, start, start after Labor Day. Whereas, you know, down here in the south, nope, we get to start right at the beginning of, of August. Uh, Keely Chow, time to say, I only like those movies because of Scrat. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly the the thing that he loves about it. When, whenever Baby Thor wants to see one of the Ice Age movies, he says, I want... That's what he does now. I want... I want the squirrel. I want the one with the squirrel. <laughs> so he knows why he likes it too, but... Jonah Wingster, who is a member, says... Oh, look, another wrong opinion by Odin about Ice Age. Really, Wingster? You're going to defend Ice Age? Come on, brother. Great Wooda. I don't watch UFC or boxing. Yeah. Uh, I don't either. That's why I just do AEW, WWE. Harwick says, the Amazon pre-order pa- uh, pages for the 4K and Blu-ray Steelbooks of The Mandalorian Season 1 and 2. WandaVision and Loki are up now. Yeah, I had my, uh, you know, I checked my, the My Movies app, which uh, always gives, like, Blu-ray and 4K deals. And I saw that all those were at the top of the list. And it was so funny because as soon as I saw them, I said, oh, I've never had as little interest in any of these shows. I mean, hey, it's great that you're supporting physical media, Disney. But I mean, I would much rather you be putting your older classics out on 4K or re-releasing your older classes on 4K than being, you know, having to look at, oh, The Mandalorian. Okay, that just reminds me of the disappointment. Loki. Oh, that just reminds me of the disappointment. Disappointment. Golden Rage Pop. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yes. Golden Rage Pop with the throwback. You need to understand the lore of the channel to get this one. Golden Rage Pop over on Rumble Tide. Say, there's another South Korean TV show about the sub-Saharan African <laughs> African slave trade. <laughs> I remember that stream. I can't believe that that came up. I can't believe that came up. I was so confused. I'm like, why am I being asked about the sub, about the sub-Saharan African slave trade? I'm so confused. What does that have to do with anything? Uh, Golden Rage Pop, shout out to you, good sir. That's awesome. <laughs> That's someone who watches the channel, understands the lore. <laughs> uh, if I had the wherewithal and and any creative ability, I would create a T-shirt where it's like. Ask me about the about the sub-Saharan African slave trade. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Great. Uh, let's see. Abomination over on Odyssey says kids today love the saber-toothed squirrel. They don't know the joy we had watching the old man who plays chess against himself. Oh man, that's a great short, by the way. Wasn't that the first Disney short, or one of the first at least? That was a really good one. Back in the day when all of the shorts used to be just phenomenal. You almost look forward to the shorts more than the movie. Let's see. Rob D over on YouTube. Time to say a lot of Marvel and Star Wars shows I notice are either canceled or essentially canceled. Ironheart, Echo, Rangers of the New Republic, Lando. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Just kind of tells you the state of Disney Plus and then also of those franchises too. Jonah Wingster. With Spectrum's internet, I have no complaints. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. And Mac, what's going on? Jonah Wingster, Odin, what are your thoughts on the strategic planning in... 
<laughs> I love Wings. What are your thoughts on the strategic planning in the Russian-Ukraine conflict? Oh, you know, because I'm such an expert on foreign policy. Now, I'm always very clear. I, I am of the Catholic position, because that, that's my position on everything. And that's, uh, we shouldn't be at war. And if, yeah, if we're giving money and weapons, it means that we're a part of the war. And we shouldn't be. And that, that goes across the board. Jonah Wingster adds that counterpoint. Everybody loves Bob's. Oh, goodness gracious. Forever Sci-Fi. Odin, what is your quest? Favorite color? And the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow. <laughs> what is your quest? What is your favorite color? What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? What do you mean? An African or a European swallow? Forever Sci-Fi. Riddle me that, Batman. Harwick says, Goodman's story for Matinee is about a caveman who outruns a saber-toothed tiger and feels exhilarated from surviving. He explains it in the movie better than I can in the comment. Yeah. Um, and again, I understand that argument, or at the very least, in concept, right? People like... It's an adrenaline rush, right? People like being scared because there's that there's that adrenaline, j- adrenaline rush. The issue that I have is that the adrenaline, the adrenaline rush, the adrenaline rush is not worth the the sense of fear, the feeling of fear. Um, I get adrenaline rush when I go on roller coasters, but that's because it's just pure adrenaline. There's no fear; it's just excitement. It's love. So I imagine that what I feel for coasters is what other people fear, other people feel for horror films. But I don't, I don't know. I feel like typically with horror films, they also usually respond with, but I, I like getting scared. I like being scared. And it's like, okay, for that, for me, it's, I don't quite understand that myself. Ambrose Chamberpot, who's a member, says, does David Hasselhoff was the only one topless? Ah, okay. <laughs> Orange Hat Reviews. Uh, one older movie that I saw, Rapid Fire with Brandon Lee, gratuitous scene. It was a bad thing for that story as it was a cop sleeping with a witness. I'm like, big no, no. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. It's like completely unnecessary. Let's see. Steven says, I'm curious to know how many theater showtimes got removed for Blue Beetle because my theater is not showing it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think that they they would have had that in the weekend numbers. So we can go ahead and pull that up real quick and we can do our box office uh, review. We'll first start off, though, talking about the Equalizer and then we'll get back into your comments. So the Equalizer 3 opened this weekend, and so we have the official three-day numbers. So at least the numbers.com does not have the Monday yet. But the Equalizer 3 made $34 million in its opening weekend, 34.6, opening at over 3,900 screens. So by far the best uh, the best numbers of this weekend as far as its per theater ratio, as far as its total gross so very strong numbers, but we'll talk about how strong they are and also where it stands in the midst of the rest of the franchise because it's not all good news for the Equalizer franchise. Of course, the number two film is Barbie, still continuing to see some very impressive numbers there. And though Blue Beetle dropping 41%, and again, down the road, drops like that are not bad. The problem is that when you look at its initial opening weekend, it was such a low opening that it's just not got anywhere to go. It's got nowhere to go. It's got nowhere to run. It's still only at $56 million. It dropped from 555 screens. So that is the answer to your question, Stephen. Only 555 screens were dropped 
from this past weekend. But because it's only really making money domestically, and even there it's not making that much money, still guaranteed to be a pretty massive flop. So those are the top two, uh, top three films. And unfortunately, you know, you know, top four films would be Gran Turismo. And it's a great film. I recommend people go see it. But it is not really doing much as far as box office. It still has a chance to be able to make, you know, at least get close to making mon- some money back. Mostly because of international. But even then, that becomes a bigger problem because studios get less in the long run from those international markets. And usually I don't even bring that up. The only time I do is when there is such a discrepancy between the domestic and international totals. Uh, similar to what you see with the Meg 2 right now. The Meg 2 has nothing domestic and, and has way too much internationally for it to barely be able to, to, to justify itself. Now let's go further into The Equalizer since that was the new film from this weekend. So Equalizer made $68 million worldwide in its opening. So pretty decent opening. Uh, for those that have not followed the channel, one of the things that I have discovered over the last uh, several months, right, this is something that's actually new newer to the channel, something that only really I I uncovered this past year, was I decided, you know what, I figured out how to, you know, predict with with some accuracy, right, with, I would say, high accuracy, you know, after the first two weeks, be able to predict a range of where most films will fall based off historical standards, which again, it's standards, it is, you know, trends, it's not something that's ever guaranteed. But one of the other things that I was able to figure out is that most movies in their opening weekend worldwide accounts for about a third of its, of its entire box office, right? On average, most movies make about a third of their box office in their opening weekend. So if that holds for the equalizer, so if it has an average run, an average theatrical run, then the movie actually would be getting close to that $200 million mark that all the other films in the franchise have been able to get to. So at 68.9 then is pretty decent, right? Because it means that this film is likely to make as much as all the others, which means on paper that the movies are going to have held on to its audience. But you do have to dive further into the numbers to see at least domestically, it's not all sunshine and rainbows for the equalizer. So first looking at the franchise over at the numbers, we can see the comparison. So these are the unadjusted numbers here. Right, so the opening weekend for the first Equalizer in 2014 was $34 million. The Equalizer 2 opened to $36 million. Equalizer 3 opened to $34 million. So you can see the Equalizer 3, as far as on paper, its opening weekend looks okay. It's, it's right in there, in that average range of where these films have been performing before, right? Again, 34, 36, 34. But these are without adjusting for inflation. Getting back to those worldwide numbers, though, again, unadjusted... Look at the numbers. Equalizer, first one made 192 million. Equalizer 2 made 190 million. So the chances of three also getting into that 190 to 200 million dollar range right now is looking pretty good. So right now it's actually looking pretty good. Now, diving into these numbers, let's go ahead and use the numbers adjusted for inflation calculations before going into the numbers I was able to calculate. Looking at this comparison, we can see. Okay, wait a minute. We're starting to see a little bit of separation here, right? So the first Equalizer movie, when you adjust for inflation, opening weekend was $43 million domestic. That was then $41 million for the Equalizer 2 and $34 million for the Equalizer 3. Now, again, good and bad news. The bad news, the number has gone down, and it's been trending downward, right? The first film had the best opening at 43. 
Equalizer 2 then made 41, so went down slightly. So that's still re- that's still retaining most of your audience. But it also means you're not growing your audience. And for any franchise, you know, the, the, the best sign, a positive sign, is that of growth, right? And Equalizer is just not was not really seeing that, at least domestically. Especially when you compare the fact that Equalizer 2 cost $20 million more than that first movie. A lot of it because of really bad CGI at the end of the second one. I, again, I like, I like all of them, but Equalizer 2, I think, is the weakest, and one of the biggest reasons why is because the ending sequence with the whole hurricane thing, oh, the use of CGI is just not good. It just does not look good. But, I, I, I digress. But still, if you look at these numbers, even though there is this trend downward, you're not seeing catastrophic drops, right? For instance, if you go ahead and compare The Force Awakens box office to The Last Jedi, you lose almost half your audience. Roughly. You then jump ahead to the the third film of the franchise and and you lose another chunk, right? Now, it's not nearly as big as the drop from The Force Awakens to The Last Jedi, but still, it's a large enough drop where you're like, oh boy, this franchise is losing a lot of steam. For The Equalizer, you're seeing, okay, a decent opening, right? A decent starting point. You're seeing a decent hold, right? It's doing okay. It's doing fine. And then when you look at the third film, it's looking like it's also going to have a drop, but it is still going to be holding too, right? So the first film worldwide adjusted made about 250, Equalizer 2 made 220, and based on the numbers at this point, if it has an average release, Equalizer 3 will probably end up getting close to $200 million. So that would still be about a $20 million difference from the second film. But as I said, we would not be seeing any type of catastrophic drop-off. Comparing the daily numbers, as you can see, the first Monday, and again, Labor Day was the factor here for that. So we actually do have the numbers here, just they didn't update them on the the main page for some reason. Uh, But as you can see, 8.2 million is what's been reported for the Labor Day holiday for Equalizer 3. So that is obviously a lot more than the other two, but it was Labor Day, so it has the holiday going for it. At the same point of release, though, Equalizer 3 at 42 million, Equalizer... Equalizer 3 at 42 million, Equalizer 2 at 45, and Equalizer first at 47. So actually, that too shows a pretty good showing there of how it's held on to its audience with only minimal loss, right? So 47, 45, 42. We'll see if Equalizer 3 is able to hold on to it. I think it's a solid film. I think it's very, very good. So I think it should hold. I think it deserves to hold, but that is not always going to be the case. Looking at the box office ticket sales, we can also see, right, as I said, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, right? It's okay, but it's definitely not great. So this is something that I believe uh, someone in another stream had brought brought up, and I decided to do the math myself, because you all know I I love doing math here. Let me see if I can can blow this up a little bit. So this is my charting that I've been doing for almost all franchise movies. So as you can see, at $34 million domestic opening, we can estimate that because the average ticket price now is about $13, that means that for its opening weekend, domestically, it did about 2.6 million tickets sold. Compare that to Equalizer 2, which adjusts for inflation, made about $43 million. That's about 3.9. So a much smaller difference there, right? 4.1 million to 3.9 million between Equalizer 1 and Equalizer 2. A much bigger difference. So now you're starting to see, right? On paper, the actual numbers don't seem all that big. Doesn't seem like that much, especially with that Monday number in. Doesn't seem like there's too much difference between them. It becomes a much bigger difference looking at the estimated ticket sales. So again, this is using 
the average ticket price of that time. And, and again, I definitely take more than <laughs> I do more steps than you need to. Right? I adjust both numbers for inflation when in reality that just cancels it out. And so the ticket number should ultimately still be the same. But hey, I'm not a math expert. I just don't mind putting things together and putting them into, you know, charts. <laughs> so 2.6 million versus 4 million, right? So you have roughly 4 million on average between equalizer one, and equalizer two, that drops down to 2.5 million. So that says a few things. And th this is something that I've mentioned previously, right? Even though we are seeing older demographics, at least among men, older men going to see films to a certain degree, we are seeing losses, and I, I think from this, we can gather that the older audiences are still not going to see movies to that same level or to that same degree. That There are very few exceptions. I think that we can look to this year. I think one great example of getting that older demographic to show up would be an example like Sound of Freedom to a much better degree, to a much better, uh, a much better example, I should say, would be what we saw with Top Gun Maverick because that got all the demographics domestically out. But is this bad for Equalizer 3? It's not great, but it's also not catastrophic either. We're not seeing the type of catastrophic drop in a franchise that we've seen with other much bigger franchises. So we'll have to wait and see what the final number is when everything is said and done. As of right now, actually, let me go ahead and pull this up. As of right now, at $68 million, the film is sitting around $63 million in the red. So there is still a chance for this film to be able to make its money back. And as I said, if it has an average performance, if it has an average showing and an average run, we'll probably see the film get to $200 million. And if it gets there, that, that's profit that's, you know, that's profitability territory. So anyway, I like Equalizer. I think Equalizer 3 is a great addition. And to me, I think it is as good and in some ways better than the first I say some ways because I know, not, one, I know not everyone's going to agree with that assessment, but it all stems to me, and I use this comparison in my review, and I still think it holds. To me, The Equalizer 3 is the Rocky Balboa of this franchise. Not everyone is going to love Rocky Balboa in the Rocky franchise, right? As far as the film, The Rocky Balboa, right? And I think that film is the best film. Doesn't mean it's the most entertaining. Doesn't mean that I enjoy it the most. I just think that on paper, it is just the best presented. I don't know. That's just me. That's just my own general thought and sentiment towards it. And I think that the Equalizer 3 has a lot of those same elements. It seems a little bit more grounded. It seems a little bit more serious. It doesn't have the same tropes to the same degree as the first couple of movies do, especially when it deals with the concept of time. And I know a lot of people like that, but I don't know. I, I just, I think there's something about this third one that the other ones just did not have. But those are my thoughts. Let's see. General Wingster says, I will defend the first one. The sequels all suck. If you're talking about Ice Age, the first one just does not hold up. Forever Sci-Fi, having to put up with Ice Age is nowhere near as bad as having to put up with Barney day after day. I hate that dinosaur. I love you. Yeah, I'm glad that we're not having... The only song that's even close to... <laughs> to Barney is a movie that he'll he'll never watch. It's a movie that he, he will have to be a lot older to watch. If anyone's ever heard of the film Nine Months, not Nine Monks, but Nine Months, uh, it actually features a brilliant comedic performance from Robin Williams, who plays a doctor in the movie. And it's funny because he is a doctor who has delivered animal babies his entire career and only has recently started delivering human babies. In fact, 
the the couple who the movie follows will be the first <laughs> human delivery. So there's a lot of comedic stuff that happens like happens with that because of that. But in the movie, there's this hilarious sequence where him and unfortunately a character played by Tom Arnold. This was back when Tom Arnold was actually funny before he went insane. And they go to the store and there is this clear Barney ripoff in the film. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Orange chat. I saw you just put this in the live comment. You are correct. Wasn't that the one where Tom Arnold beats up a Barney wannabe? That's exactly it. And that's what I'm talking about. So in it, there is this, this Barney wannabe and, (laughs) and it, it, it's a, Oh, I'm trying to think about how the song goes because I, I sing it all the time here at home. But of course, when I'm on the spot, I forget about it. Oh, it's love is for you and me. We are one big family. That's the only thing I sing. Uh, I don't sing Barney. I don't, I don't let it, but I sing that one. And it's so funny because I would sing that randomly around baby Thor. And there were a couple of times where he started singing along with me. And I'm like, you have no idea the reference of that film. And you won't know until you're a lot older, because if you've ever seen nine months, it is not a kid's movie. But that whole sequence, by the way, is one of the funniest sequences ever. Even if you don't like anything else about nine months or anything like that, that whole th- ugh, that sequence is great. Frank G, ahoy, ahoy to you. Welcome back. Hardwick over on YouTube says, in a nutshell, Spectrum lets customers customize the channels they pay for to keep prices low. Disney wants to make them uh, offer all Disney-owned channels as a package deal, no picking and choosing. Yeah, I mean, but also remember that Disney as a company is going to want to try to make as much profit as they possibly can. So Disney's making that as, as a business decision. Again, I'm not saying that Disney's in the right. I'm not saying that Disney's a good company, but I think it's more about, and by the way, my criticism of Spectrum is more of what I've heard about their internet service versus TV service. But again, I feel like you're going to find that with pretty much any ISP. You're going to find people who love it, people who hate it. I just, I think I feel like I've heard more criticism of it than, than praise of it. But hey, I have not had it myself, so I cannot speak to it. But yeah, I'm not trying to defend Disney here. I'm just trying to, I was fighting a back against the comment that was made about how Disney has removed their channels. It's like, no, that's, that's not how that works. That just means Spectrum will not pay the money that Disney wants. And so therefore they don't get the channels. Uh, Heartbreak Ridge, what is going on? Gary Banjo Savage Worthington, time to say equalizer three spaghetti western stranger kills lots of bad men town rejoice was boring oh boo gary banjo sandwich worthington bruh look here's the thing i understand how for you it might have been okay you've seen it before but that's just the thing just because you've seen it before and i even say this in my review is nothing revolutionary by any means but what it does it does well what it does it does very effectively And what elevates the movie is Denzel Washington. Without Denzel, the movie is just another generic spaghetti western. But because Denzel's in it, he's able to raise it to an entirely different level. That's why I think it is, um, you know, possibly the best of the franchise or the very least up there. Dadman Walking the Five, what's going on, Dadman? Welcome back to the chat. Matt R, what's up? Matt R saying hello, hail to you. Harwick says, what do you think of classic gothic horror? Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi, Vincent Price, Christopher Lee. It's generally based in atmosphere, not jump scares and such. Yeah, for those, I, I'm I'm not really drawn to the classic uh, 
Universal monster films. I know that there are some that are. It's just not, again, just not my cup of tea. That one has more to do with, I, I just don't have a lot of interest in the lore as it's being presented in those movies. I do appreciate the fact there are not a whole lot of jump scares, though. I much prefer the psychological uh, thrillers. Uh, so films like Psycho, for instance, I think are brilliant. Scary, but also uh, brilliant. Let's see. Over on Rumble, I got a couple of comments to catch up on. User2061 says, Have you seen the trailer for The Creator? And if so, what are your thoughts? I'm really looking forward to this. I've seen the poster, and I think I've seen clips of the trailer. I don't remember sitting down to watch the trailer fully. Um, but I know some people have said that they're interested in it. King and Rumsky says, I couldn't read your whole list. Eyesight is going, I think. Which movie was number nine on the list? Number nine on the list? You mean for the number nine movie of the week? It was Strays. Strays was the number nine film. It wasn't on my list. Though the one that was... Oh. <laughs> Oh, I got it. King Can Rumshki, I, 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 just, I just figured out what you did. So for those that don't know, General Wingster is the troll over on YouTube. He's our pet troll. Uh, we have another pet troll over on <laughs> Rumble. <laughs> for a second, I thought you... Here's the thing, because there's enough people that watch the channel that actually would be saying that, that would be saying, hey, my eyesight's not so good, so can, can, can you please help me? <laughs> Oh, but the reason why is because every stream, Ken Ken Rumshki has to bring up the Meg 2. And I'm still not watching it, Ken Ken Rumshki, okay? I'm still not watching it. <laughs> What's the ninth film on your list? Gosh. I love you, brother. Drive me crazy, but I love you. Let's see. Gabby Rios, 59. What's up, Gabby? Over on Rumble. So Sound of Freedom is now overseas in Australia and the UK. I wonder how it's doing in those countries. Yeah, I mean, those it's tricky, especially when you have a smaller film, to keep track of those things. But let's see if the numbers is reporting anything. It's made about 2.6 million internationally so far. So again, for a movie like that, that that's pretty good. It's not great, but again for not being available in, in much places. Right now, it's made it's made 2.1 million, and that's just what's being reported right now. It opened on the 24th in Australia. So again, we're probably not going to get most the most up-to-date numbers on Sound of Freedom since it is a smaller, non-Hollywood uh, production. But yeah, so far, it's made about 2.6 million internationally. Over on Rumble, Shen Hong says, Have you seen The Host? Another must-watch Korean film if you like The Art of Film. Yes, yes, yes. I have seen The Host. Yes, the Korean film, not the one that's based off of some random novel. Um, I think, what, Stephanie Meyer, the same writer who did <laughs> the same writer who did Twilight, also did a book called The Host, and then they did a, a movie variation. That, that When I first heard people recommend that movie, I'm like, wait, you mean, you mean the Twilight Rider movie? And they're like, no, the South Korean film. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, that film also done very effectively, and with the budget it had, the CGI was actually also pretty good. Let's see. Abomination on Odyssey says, Kids today love the saber-toothed squirrel. Oh, sorry, I've already read that. Apologies. All right, back over into the YouTube chat. Let's see. Orange Eye Review says, Rocky Balboa is the best film in the Rocky franchise. 
The message was more relevant, and this movie was more grounded than the others. The other Rocky films were products of their time, but still good. Yeah. I mean, th- that's what I hold to, Orin Chat. I just think that as a movie, and especially when you think about Stallone as a writer and as a director, you look at Rocky Balboa and you think, okay, his involvement in that movie, you know, r- regardless of how the roles were uh, were split up, because honestly, I don't even remember what. Let me look that up real quick. Because I, I think that that was a film that he had a lot of control over. Yeah, so that was written and directed by Stallone. And, and again, to me, Rocky Balboa just shows a... It shows a maturity and a development of character to such a degree that all you can do is say, wow, Stallone has learned so much as a writer. He's learned so much as a director, right? He He's taken what he was able to do in his previous movies and he's elevated himself, right? He's elevated the content. And so I, I think that because of that, because of what he is able to do and how much growth he is able to show on film, it, it just makes Rocky Balboa that much more impressive of, of a movie. So, yeah, I'm definitely right there with you. Kili Chow just says, yes. Uh, Heartbreak Ridge, all the Barney talk has me thinking about Death to Smoochie, such a good dark comedy. Seriously. I just love the scene and the sequence where Robin Williams' character, again, Robin Williams, is doing the dance talking about how Smoochie is screwed and he's doing his like tap dance routine. It's great. Oh, it's so funny. Friends come in all sizes. Friends come in all sizes. Because, because. I just, ah, I love that film. General Wingster, what was the movie where Robin goes after Ed Norton being a purple rhino? Yep, that's Death to Smoochie. That is Death to Smoochie. <laughs> General Wingster, oh boy. Speaking of the sub-Saharan trade, The Woman King is now on Netflix. (laughs) If you want to learn more about the sub-Saharan slave trade, you can watch The Woman King on Netflix. However, don't because you won't learn anything because there is mostly fictional information in that movie. Goodness gracious, The Woman King. Talk talk about propaganda. It's, It's like it's not even good propaganda. Bruce, in the next batch of Blu-rays, I send you the DVD of Death of Smoochie will be included. Oh, nice. Yeah, I don't, is, do they even have the Death of Smoochie? I think I, I feel like I've looked this up before. Do they even have the Death of Smoochie on Blu-ray? I was kind of hoping that, you know, as, as actors die, especially, you always hope that they're able to try to preserve the, um, preserve the film and to preserve the legacy in it. Let's see. I see the DVD being listed. The VHS tape. Oh, goodness. See, I know that some people who are like hardcore collectors and everything, you know, it's, oh, man, there's just so many great things about this specific um, this specific medium. To me, other than the capacity for VHS tapes to be able to have some type of shelf life to them because of the because of the fact they're on tape. um, Oh no, there's just no there's just no benefit in quality to VHS. They're just it's just not um at all. But man oh man, the poster for Death Smoochie is still so so good. I forgot I forgot holy wait a minute. I forgot that Danny DeVito directed that movie. I had no idea Danny DeVito directed it. I remember he was in it, but I don't remember that he directed it. Dang. 
Good, good job, Devito. Orange Hat says, "I tolerate the pet pat- uh, the pet troll, but only because he is chat broken, equivalent to house broken." Yes, indeed. Yes, yes, indeed. Robby, I had a f- idea a few days ago. You should do a video called "Dumbest Scenes in Films." Include scenes like Holdo maneuver and Crystal Skull fridge scene. Yeah, I just don't do I just don't do videos like that. Yeah, no Blu-ray of it, uh, Bruce. You're right. Harwick, what do you think of campy tongue-in-cheek classic horror, Theater of Blood, uh, with Vincent Price, for example? Never seen Theater of Blood. There are some other Vincent Price films that I have enjoyed, like the original House on Haunted Hill. Very, very creepy. I think very well done. I just I haven't watched enough of the campy ton and cheek ones. That's the only Vincent Price film I can think of at the top of my head, though. Yeah, no Blu-ray. I also checked myself. Orange Chat reviews. Oh, Smash Mouth's lead singer passed away. Yeah, I heard about that. It's just so sad, um, you know, because when I was hearing about he was having what was it, li- liver failure, I was like, man, that's only typically associated with with people who drink. And and then of course you dive down that rabbit hole, finding out he had struggled from alcohol abuse for years. And, you know, even even as as near back as 2021 was on stage and was slurring his words. And it's just it's just so sad because you think about, you know, how famous, how big Smash Mouth got and how quickly they got. Got that big and the the you know what that does to a person, right, what fame does and how some people just can't handle it. And it's, it's very sad. It's very tragic to hear. Whenever you hear about that, you know, whether it be through, you know, alcoholism, whether it be through those that suffer with like depression, I know that like some of the saddest deaths when you think about just the impact or when you think about the implications, especially with the time frame that they were apart. And, and also it was because, uh, anyway, what I'm trying to point out is the, the two of the most tragic deaths that happened some years apart from each other, but not too far apart were the death of um, Chris Cornell and uh, Chester, was it Chester Bennington, who was the lead singer of Lincoln Park, you know, and, and both of them through their struggles and sufferings of, uh, with depression, it's just, it breaks your heart and it just makes you realize how much of a severe psychological impact, whether one can handle it or not, it's a severe psychological impact fame has on anybody. And, uh, it's just awful. It really is. Let's see. Shen Hong over on Rumble says, I was so confused talking here about the host until I realized the monster is the Korean War. Yeah, I mean, I actually did not look into the the history and the meaning behind the film, but that actually makes a lot more sense too. I only saw it one time, so I I, I didn't look at a lot of like, you know, movies explained. I'm sure there's some pretty good ones though that go into that. That's just the thing about South Korean films, especially. I mean, there's just so many really, really talented South Korean filmmakers. I mean, I think about different genres and, you know, especially, and maybe it's because of these two properties specifically. When you think about the zombie genre, there's right now no one doing it better than South Korea. You think about the TV show that Netflix picked up um, where it's like, what, all of us are dead? The one that's set in the high school and it's just this zombie flick that's set around high school drama and high school relationships and it's just so well done. It's so effective. And then you think about the the massive project that was Train to Busan. Oh, 
talk about a great film. What I love about Train to Busan is that it's not even just a good zombie film, because it is. It's also a good movie. It has the drama, it has the heart, it has the emotion, tugs at the heartstrings, and it's a zombie movie, right? Typically, when we think about zombie films, we think about the modern day, you know, Walking Dead, which went on for way too long. It used to have heart, it used to have that, you know, that something that makes it special. But it just didn't last very long because they kind of went to it kind of got to their heads very quickly and then they just they went on for too long. But really, again, South Korea is doing so much in that genre. But then you think about others, like you think about just the the drama thriller, and you get a film like Parasite. And I know I could hear Tina right now giving her rant about why Parasite's terrible, but I personally really enjoyed it. I thought that it was very effective and very well shot and just uh, very well paced. And right now they're they're killing it. And yeah, that's not even getting into their shows like Squid Game. Oh, goodness, Squid Game. That's also great. Let's see. Shen Hong says, Oscar Best Stallone Movie. Oh, are you trying to say that the Best Stallone Movie is the one that got an Oscar? Because I'm trying to get the, the reference there. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Rob D. Tad say, I, for one, was shocked when I first found out that Daniel Radcliffe suffered from alcohol abuse. Yeah. And, and you think about how young he was, too. And it actually makes a lot more sense. Uh, they did an extras. Ricky Gervais had a show extras. And one episode featured Daniel Radcliffe. And in that episode, wasn't he struggling with alcohol? So I, I don't know if that was before or after he got help. Or if he was also struggling with other things too in that. But yeah, I mean, but you also think about that one especially, it makes so much more sense. And I feel like there's several actors, in fact, from the Harry Potter franchise. You know, you think about it, they were thrust into fame and stardom when they were only, what, 10, 11 years old? That that has an impact. That, that has such a, a huge effect on, on a person's psyche. Shen Hong says, Oscar is a comedy from 91. Oh, I've never seen it. Never seen it. Hardwick, there's an interesting conspiracy theory that Chester Bennington was murdered for trying to uncover that John Podesta was his father. Yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of conspiracies out there, but to me, you just look like, and again, I'm sure the conspiracy can say, well, that's what they want you to think. That's why it was perfect for them to do that. But you just, you think about what he went through, what we knew that he went through, and then you do, what's even worse for singers, especially, is when you go back to their lyrics. You're like, oh my gosh, it felt, you just feel like there's the signs that are there. And maybe it is something that those were lyrics that were meant to you know, be kind of a therapy for them to kind of get those feelings and get those thoughts out. But especially for, for many of the lyrics in, in the songs by Linkin Park, you're just like, I mean, it brings a whole new meaning to Songs like, um, was it I Bleed It Out? Is that the is that the lyrics for it? I bleed it out, take it just to throw it away. Something like that. I mean, again, there's a lot of lyrics, though, especially for, for that one. General Meester says, I do love me some Old Boy by Spike Jones. Uh, old Boy. Oh, wait a minute. Old Boy Spike Jones? I don't know if I know that one. Because Old... <sighs> Because Old Boy is 
Isn't that the? Isn't that the? Isn't that Japanese or is that? I don't think that's South Korea. I think it's. Uh, Wait, Spike Jones? You said Spike Jones did did one. I'm confused by that. Is that is that is that you just trolling? <laughs> or were you talking about the Spike Lee old boy? Were you, were you trying to say Spike Lee and not Spike Jones? Because that's about an alcoholic advertiser. Yeah, because that's also that's the that's the remake of the film from 20, 2003, which was a South Korean film, which I've actually not seen, but I've heard great things about. I've also heard that I have to be mentally prepared for what happens. General Wingster, Train to Busan has one of the my, one of my favorite zombie designs. Oh, I mean, the way they design everything about that film is great. Yeah, Parasite's great. Uh, Hardwick says, as far as zombie movies go, one of my favorites is White Zombie with Bela Lugosi. It's about classic voodoo zombies, not the brain-eating kind. Yeah, I can see why. I can see why, why some would be drawn. I don't know. For me, I'm actually much more drawn to a zombie akin to what you find in something like uh, Train to Busan. Orange Hat says, I swear the only one who came out sane from Harry Potter, uh, from the Harry Potter trio, is Rupert Grint. Ron Weasley, the most sane, the irony. Yeah, I know, seriously, right? But also, think about it, he's he's also, seemingly, he's been the most balanced. So maybe that, again, explains a lot, right? Because he did not go out and then get a bunch of new, you know, at least not I'm not aware of, he did not get, or at least he did not accept a whole lot of job offers. Like, he, he seemed to be able to create some separation from the business and from, from real life. Because the only film I remember that he's been in, at least more recently, was the M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong film from, like, last year, Knock at the Cabin. And even then, I was like, oh, well, he's in this. And again, you could say that it's because he was the worst actor of the three or whatever it might be. Again... But I, I just know that when it comes to the roles, not just getting roles, but taking roles on, Daniel Radcliffe got so many things, got so many jobs. And then, of course, Emma Watson, so many so many jobs, so many opportunities. So maybe maybe it is because there was just a little bit more of a balance. Oh, boy. <laughs> Rob, Rob D., I, rem- I remember that rant. Robert Storms was just triggered hearing Odin say Parasite. Oh my gosh, I remember. I remember. I remember. I remember that that epic rant. It was just to me. It was funny because some of the things he was saying, even I, like again, I'm not an expert in in most things. You know, as, as much as it might seem like I claim to be, I'm, I really don't. But I remember he was saying things. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That doesn't that doesn't work. That doesn't be that doesn't even make any sense what you just said. <laughs> uh he was a good sport about it though. See Hardwick. Did you hear that a few months ago Tom Holland announced that he's uh one year sober? I thought I had heard that he had been going through some struggles, but that also he was he was getting healing too. So, I mean, yeah, that's awesome. You always it's always very it's very refreshing to hear that not only are people getting help, but they're also doing well with the help they're getting. Oh, yeah. Again, no one, Matt, R., I don't think anyone is saying that uh, that the original, or rather that the new one is better. 
I think that Wingster was just trolling, talking about old boy from Spike Lee. I think he was just trolling, but he accidentally said Spike Jones. So that's when my mind went off because I'm like, look, I know Spike Jones. I've seen a lot of his movies, and I don't ever remember him doing anything about an old boy before. <laughs> so again, yeah, old boy, the Korean, the original film, that's been on my radar for a long time. The only reason why I haven't watched that one, why I've kind of dragged my feet on it, is because people have said there's something especially that happens in that movie that will make you very upset. Because these are people that know my personality. They know the things that I can't stand in movies. They know the things that that trigger me or at the very least, uh, you know, are offensive to the eyes for me, right? And apparently there's something like that in that movie. Um, and so that's kind of why I've, I've dragged my feet on that. Though I've heard I've heard great things about it. Yeah, General Wingster says, Spike Lee, my bad. Yeah, it is your bad, General Wingster. I confused him with Macklemore. <laughs> Uh, Hardwick Oscar is underrated in my opinion it's a comedy starring Stallone as a 1930s gangster Ornella Moody Princess Aura from Flash Gordon plays his wife and Tim Curry is in it ooh you should have started with Tim Curry because look I I like Stallone in Rocky Balboa and in a couple of other things but Tim Curry oh man Tim Curry is usually the best part of anything he's in I I bring up this example haven't brought it up in a while but I bring it up whenever I can don't ever forget about Tim Curry's voice work in the seminal classic Ferngully. Before Avatar ripped off most of its story, there was Ferngully. <laughs> and it was a much better film as it had fun, catchy music with people like Robin Williams as the voice of Batty. Hilarious. And Tim Curry as the voice of, of the sludge, of, of, of the pollution. Slam beneath me. Slime above. Oh, you that. Oh, oh. Toxic love. So good. Jenna Wingster says, I owed up to my mistake, Odin. Unlike your bad movie takes. Oh, I see what you did there, Wingster. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> it is funny whenever there are random people in the comments section on videos who will try to say, You were wrong about this and this. It's like, Whenever I'm wrong and I, like, I think some people think, well, back, you know, six months ago, you said this. And it's like, yeah, that was six months ago. (laughs) So uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if I had a take back then, especially if it was me making a prediction or anything and I end up being wrong. And people was like, oh, you never talk about when you make mistakes. It's like, yeah, because that's just not how my brain works. My my brain tries to, to, to move forward, you know? So if someone presented me saying, hey, you said this at this specific time slot, and then you said this, can you explain it? Okay. Then I go, all right, you gave me exactly where to go back to so I can actually listen to what I said in context and then be able to actually respond. Matt R says, I highly recommend I Saw the Devil, directed by Kim Ji-Hoon. Okay. Uh, Amber's Chamberpot, uh, the sludge might be related to the smog monster who battled Godzilla. Now, that would be quite a a combination there. Abomination. Oh, no. They show people enjoying pineapple on pizza. Oh, God. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure that's what is so terrible in in Old Boy that that I would be offended to watch. (laughs) All right. We're right about at the end tonight. Uh, Jenna Wigster says, but you said in 2019 that we... (laughs) But you said in 2019 that we'd be together forever. No, no, no. No, no, no. I say nay, nay. (laughs) 
Rob D, one VH one VHS tape for every time Odin is wrong. <laughs> I like how you have just the one VHS tape. I appreciate that. That's a lot of confidence. Uh <laughs> Hardwick says, when it comes to old boy, let's just say some family members get really close. Uh, don't tell me anymore. Physics Channel with Kenny Lee. I just watched Tim Curry in the movie Clue. It's a great adaptation of the board game. Clue is one of the best films ever. And I think probably the best board game adaptation that's ever, ever existed. Um, if you've never seen Clue, do yourself a favor and watch it. It is fantastic. Tim Curry, again, just like I said previously, is the best part of the film, as he is the best part in, in most films. Let's see. Jeremy says, to be frank, in Old Boy, you don't see anything. Okay. Don't know if you, again, with Wingster, I can never tell if he's trolling me or not, but that is a big thing to me, right? If you see something, right? If they show something, if there's something gratuitous, like that, that just gets me. Uh, but again, when it comes to subject matter, okay, obviously there's some things where it's like, I'd obviously rather not see certain things that are being implied, but um, being honest here, okay, good, 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 okay, all right, that, that I think definitely makes me much more likely to want to see it sooner rather than later then, because I've, I've, again, I've heard so many people say uh, so many good things uh, about the show, or rather about the movie, I should say, but speaking of shows, I gotta go back to watching One Piece, because I'm enjoying it, I'm really enjoying it so far, and uh and I can't wait. So, yeah, before Matt Hardy, exactly, before anyone uh, spoils the entire movie for Old Boy, and I'm sure I'll get a bunch of, like, pineapple references as, as the stream ends. Uh, thank you all very much for watching tonight. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, a bit of a recap. Again, I'm a big fan so far of One Piece. It's been a lot of fun, and I can't wait to continue on with the series. That's what I'm going to do as soon as I get off here. I'm going to have some ice cream, um, maybe in a form of a shake. I don't know. And then we're going to hey, – Rob D, there he is. Rob D. read my mind, said Odin's ice cream is calling him. That's true. You know me. Gotta have my ice cream out there. It helps, it helps cool, helps cool the throat. Blasphemy, Odin. Uh, you can't enjoy a Netflix show, says General Wingster. I mean, I'm sure I'm gonna get that comment at some point saying, well, you've always called out Netflix and yet you haven't? How dare you? I've also been consistent in saying, look, if you can and want to boycott something, you go right ahead. However, happy wife is a happy life and there are certain things that i'm not gonna fight i'm not gonna fight my wife over it because guess what there are things that she wants to watch and if i say we have to cancel because of this in most likely case she's gonna say uh what <laughs> she's gonna be like i have no idea what you're talking about and you're annoying i just want to watch my show obviously I'm, I'm being facetious there but anyway you guys seriously are all amazing and beautiful people. Yeah, before y'all y'all get crazy with the pineapple milkshake. Ugh, Ambrose. Ambrose. What flavor? I let's see. Right now I've got it's extra creamy vanilla. It's, uh Briar's extra creamy. I usually get there's a local or, or more local brand of ice cream that I normally get. I usually get what's on sale though at, at Publix. And uh so, Bri so the Briar brand was on sale, so it's, it was extra creamy vanilla. I put some chocolate syrup in there in my shake, and then I put usually two or three Oreos. Got, I, I mean, my, my go-to is always going to be cookies and cream, but for shake, cookies and cream shake, a little bit of chocolate syrup in there. Mm. Oh, delightful, delectable. So anyway, now I'm really hungry, and, and, I, and I can't wait to make that, so I'm going to head out. Thank you all very much for watching this series. This has been amazing. Make sure you smash the like button, like the five button, I see smash the rumble button as well before heading out. You guys are all amazing, and beautiful people, hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening, everybody. 
Uh, I do have my uh, August shoutouts video. So if you are a part of the shoutouts video or check your messages, check the... If you're a member on the channel, I should say, if you're a member on the channel, check out wherever it is you're a member on YouTube. That will be in the community tab. If you want to see any posts on how to find certain things, access to different things, um, and uh, just keep an eye on it because uh, I'll be trying to get the podcast uh, recorded soon as I'm going to be out of commission in about two weeks for probably a couple weeks because my, my baby girl's on the way. So thank you all for being here, everybody. Drive safely. And as always, God bless.